Hello, and welcome to the Local Action Podcast, where we discuss local solutions to global problems. I'm Justin Bradley, your host, and for this first episode of the podcast, I wanted you to hear directly from me. I uh, just wanted to share a few things that are on my mind right now with things that are going on in our in our country. And just to, to start us off, let me tell you a little bit more about my, my background. I grew up in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, and I left to, to go to law school at the University of South Carolina. Really, the reason I wanted to go to law school was that I had a passion to help businesses navigate regulations and laws that can trip them up just so they can continue to focus and do the business that they want to do and that they love to do. After law school, I returned to Spartanburg to start my family with my wife, Faith. In 2014, when my oldest daughter was was just a year old, I decided I was tired of just paying attention to national and local politics and wanted to actually do something about it. So I decided to run for county council and take a shot at representing my hometown on uh, what I think is is really one of the most local uh, ways you can get involved in, in government and in politics right on the, the county level. I was 26 years old, and at that time I was only two years out of law school, uh, and I decided to take on an incumbent councilman. He was a business owner. He had served on council for eight years. Uh, he was... Uh, more than 40 years my my senior, and he had made a lot of enemies during those years, but he also had a lot of people very fearful of challenging him. So I was told many times that I just couldn't do it, that he would out-fundraise me, which he, of course, did five to one. He would spend that money on more yard signs than me, which he, of course, did four to one, and he would send out more mailers than I could, which he did three to one. You know, at times, it was it was very uh, discouraging. Uh, there were there were times when I was making fundraising calls and continuously turned down because people didn't want to have their name uh, listed as donating to an opponent of of this gentleman. That you know there were times I really thought that I was going to get maybe a handful of votes. That this was going to uh, be a huge loss in a landslide. But despite all that, what I knew that he and so many others didn't was that I was motivated to serve my hometown and that I would work harder than he could. And that work, and of course some favor from a, from a higher power from above, led me to a slim victory of 93 votes in 2014 in the Republican primary. So there I was, a 26-year-old newly elected councilman, and I wanted to make a difference in my community. And over the next four years, we really accomplished many of the things that I ran on and that I promised my constituents I would do if they gave me a shot. We increased funding for local roads and other important projects in our district and across the county, all without raising property taxes. We brought in more and more businesses that increased the number of jobs and local wages for our communities, literally millions of of dollars of investment on a monthly basis that was pouring into our our community. And we started a six-year project to replace our failing courthouse that'll be a source of pride for, for generations. And what I think is is one of my most proud accomplishments, we increased pay for our law enforcement so that they could continue to do one of the toughest jobs and support their families. And those were many things that were easy to see because they made very big headlines. Uh, those were easy issues for the, for the media to cover and certainly uh, drew a lot of attention. But what I was most proud of was, was also all the things that we were able to do that weren't as visible from the surface, like putting criminal justice reform into practice in our local jail through drug courts, mental health, and substance abuse treatment, all of which ended the cycle of recidivism in our communities. This is an issue that so many administrations in Washington have talked about and have failed to get real meaningful reform. We actually were able to do it right on the local level. Uh, Individuals who had gone through some of these programs uh, were able to, to really have a second chance at life. 
uh, to put the issues that, that they have faced behind them and move on and, and have a new shot. I raised awareness and partnered with the local organization, law enforcement, to arrest human trafficking in our cities, uh, really giving resources not just to uh, victims, but also to law enforcement so that they could learn the signs, they could address these issues, uh, and really start to prevent it. And I was also proud to go into neighborhoods that I represented that didn't look like me and make relationships with churches and families that were people of color. I, I was proud that when I was invited, uh, I, I tried to never say no. I wanted to, to show up. You know, sometimes uh, I was the only Republican politician they had ever had attend their events. And I didn't do these things for the headlines or the credit, uh, but it was because I wanted to improve lives and improve my communities. And the way we do that is by building connections and relationships. I wanted to make sure that my constituents, no matter if they voted for me or not, had a voice in their local government. And I definitely didn't do any of these things alone. There were a lot of community changers, people who just saw a problem as an opportunity, not a roadblock, and wanted to make a difference in their community. They didn't just sit on the sidelines Monday morning quarterbacking what politician Washington should do to fix this problem that they saw right down the street. They rolled up their sleeves and they got to work. That was by far my favorite part about serving in local government. But for every issue that we could change on a local level, there were hundreds of others that were brought to me to address that I either had no jurisdiction to handle or council was just not the right venue because other government agencies or private organizations had better tools to address these issues. Those issues were often hot button. It drew a lot of media attention and crowds into our chambers. But when that issue went away, those crowds wouldn't show up for a budget debate or volunteer to serve on a local board or commission. When it came time to address a real issue that could have real impact in their communities, very few would frankly show up. And after four years of serving my hometown, I finished my term and transitioned to, to focusing more on my first job, my family that had grown from one child, Madeline, to three kids, uh, Reagan and Lily, that were all under five years old at the time that needed me most. But to be honest, my heart for service hasn't stopped, and I still want to make a difference and tackle real issues and improve lives. And that's where this podcast comes in. I want to talk about the most local of solutions today, the one that we can change in our own hearts and lives. Probably like many of you, last year I found myself really down from a constant diet of negative news about politics and the pandemic, social media, and even podcasts and TV shows that were so focused on complaining about things. Maybe you felt the same. This negativity has crept into every area of our lives. We constantly watch or read the news, which is focused on serving us headlines that make us want to click or watch more. It's no longer a news roundup to tell you the important events of the day. To fill 24-7 news channels and sites that can serve you an infinite amount of articles, they give talking heads that reaffirm your beliefs and tell you about the terrible thing the other side is doing that realistically is going to have no impact on your life. We're also glued to social media that's designed to get more and more of your attention. And it does that by serving you posts from others that also reaffirm your beliefs or engages you in posting more and more, giving them more data so that they can serve you more ads and posts. It's just a vicious cycle. And even other forms of media are screaming at us for attention constantly. I don't know about you, but sometimes I find it difficult to just sit in silence for a few minutes these days. I always need something in the background catching my attention. Too often, even those background things are so negative and complaining about things and people are focused on driving ratings by creating fake conflict. We have names for these habits and practices that we've developed, doom scrolling, echo chambers. It's something we all recognize, but it only seems to get worse, not better. And this negativity takes us in a really bad direction, but it's a heart problem, not a mind problem. It takes us into an us versus them mindset where life is happening to us. We have no ability to change it. 
we start to believe that some evil them is out there and the reason for all of our problems. We often equate that with some group that doesn't look like us or think like us. Sometimes it leads people into helplessness. They give up and they just assume life will always be like this. It may lead to conspiracy theories because that knowledge that others do not have makes you feel powerful. It may lead into the arms of a strong man or a savior, someone who promises to reward those who feel helpless and punish them. Finally, it may lead directly into what we've seen in our country in the last few weeks. Destruction and death at the hands of rioters, attacking the institutions they see as not sufficiently representing their views, and too closely aligned with what they see as the enemy, trying to get through violence what they felt they cannot get through peaceful means. This isn't a phenomenon that's happening on the left or the right. It's happening across the board, dividing us even further. Now, to be honest, I'd be lying if I didn't say that there are times that the current situation that divides our country made me feel helpless. Like, is it even possible to bridge that divide and come together? I had this conversation with someone very close to me recently. He felt like things were helpless and that his voice just didn't matter anymore. To be honest, despite my arguing very loudly with him the opposite, I was starting to feel it too. The only two things that allow me to overcome that helpless feeling is faith and hope. Faith in my God and a belief that he has given me the gifts to change the things around me and a hope that it's not too late to do so. I have to cling to this faith and hope because the path without it leads to some pretty dark places. We need to make a conscious effort to reject those negative beliefs and voices. Look, I'm, I'm just one guy. But as I record this on Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, I remember his quote, Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. Martin Luther King Jr. gave his life trying to lift up a positive voice against us versus them mentality that divided our country at his time. I know that I'm guilty of thinking that politics or a particular politician are the answer, but politics is often downstream of our culture. We all feel that Washington is broken. 70% of Americans seem to agree with that sentiment by recent polls. The solution to our divisions and the problems that come from it is in our communities, the people right beside us that are deciding enough is enough and working to enact positive change. We're not going to fix Washington by just an election or passing a law. We're going to save our country by rolling up our sleeves and opening our eyes to the person behind you in the grocery store, beside you in church, or down the road that needs a helping hand. The solution is going to be intentional. We didn't build up these walls that divide us overnight, and they will not come down overnight. The people in our communities, neighbors, and fellow citizens shouldn't be expected to think like us, talk like us, worship like us, or even look like us. It starts by shutting out the voices that are encouraging this division, but we have to do more to counter it. Ronald Reagan's my favorite president. He said that the person that agrees with us 80% of the time is our ally, not our enemy. In today's climate, I think 99% isn't enough. I know the times I was attacked the hardest in politics was by my own side, the people that agreed with me 90 to 95% of the time, but would not hesitate to call me a traitor or accuse me of criminal activity with zero evidence just for that one vote they disagreed on. Rather than jumping to a conclusion about somebody's intentions when they disagree with you or accuse them of a crime as the only reason they could dare to think different than you about a complex problem, let's take the intentional step back and try to understand how someone might honestly disagree with you. After the election, I heard Republicans tell me that they honestly could not believe Joe Biden won the election because there's no way that 50% of the country would ever vote for him. I also heard Democrats say that they were shocked they didn't win in a landslide because there's no way that 50% of the country could still support Donald Trump. 
Both of those statements cannot be true. And in a 50-50 country, it is shocking to me that anyone was so wrapped up in their own echo chambers of their side to think that this was going to be anything other than a close election. Nevertheless, Republicans and Democrats found another example of where they could not fathom someone legitimately disagreeing with their worldview. Why? Do you ever notice that while Democrats and Republicans in Washington spend all of their time attacking one another and running against the other side, they spend very little time actually telling you what they plan to do if elected? Is it any wonder then that when they do win, either side, nothing really gets accomplished and nothing really changes? Shouldn't we stop buying into the us versus them mentality if we see all it does is divide us and keep the same status quo that 70% of us think is on the wrong track? Let's take the exceptional step today of eliminating the us versus them from our worldview and think of our fellow citizens as we. Let's debate honest differences of opinion on issues but not let those issues cause us to ignore the humanity of those we disagree with. And let's take an intentional step of listening to people who might be different than us. True listening, to try as hard as it is to step out of your own experiences and try to understand something from someone else's perspective. I know I need to take the time to listen before jumping in with my point, stop focusing on all the negativity, and start by asking questions designed to help me learn more than staring into my own echo chamber of like-minded thought. That's the only way I'll make the change in my own community. It all starts with that first step. I'm also looking forward to the positive stories from Community Changers we'll have starting next month that will inspire us to action. I hope you leave this podcast each month also clinging to that faith that you can make a difference in the world around you and the hope that it's not too late to take some action. So there we go. That was one episode down in the Local Action Podcast. I really appreciate you joining me on this journey. If you're enjoying the show so far, leave us a review in Apple Podcasts so that others can find us. And be sure to subscribe in your podcast player of choice so you can find out when new episodes come out. Looking forward to talking to you all again next month. Until then, God bless.